in the 1900s, Mickey Rooney, at the height of his career, he was the most popular actor in the world. Unfortunately for Mickey Rooney, that popularity, he followed the path of other people in Hollywood with similar experiences where he got into a lot of substance abuse. He went through eight marriages, and he shared something changed for him, though. One day he was at a casino. He was at a coffee shop. He was having something to eat for breakfast, and he said a young busboy, and he described him as having blonde curly hair, walked up and made a comment to him that changed his entire life. 500 years ago, Martin Luther, he came up with a, a term, tongue in Germany. The reason he came up with this term is there was no word to describe the anguish that he felt in the German language. So he created that word, tongue. Remember Martin Luther, he had upset some spiritual leaders, political leaders. There was a price on his head. He, he had all sorts of just people that were opposed to him, really carrying the world on his shoulders. So he came up with that word, and there's no word in English to correspond to it. And, and researchers suggest that it would be a combination of the following words, doubt, turmoil, tremor, panic, despair, desperation. So you can grasp the, the kind of pain he's trying to express. And a lot of people feel that pain, whether it's it's in the time we're in now, just with the, the overwhelm of what's taking place in our culture, or maybe a personal situation in their life. And the reality is we know that everybody is looking for uh, that peace that surpasses all understanding, just happiness in life. In fact, about three years ago, Yale University, they put together what's called the happiness course. Yale University has been in existence for almost 320 years. And the happiness course has become the most popular course in their entire history. Professor Lori Santos goes over about 20 points of what would lead to happiness or detract from happiness. Let me just share one suggestion she speaks about. She says, participate and invest in things that you enjoy but can't get used to. Things you enjoy but can't get used to. So many people pursue things that they find boring, unfulfilling, they get tired of, take for granted. We understand in faith, the, the one inexhaustible supply is knowing Christ. And that needs to be our foundation in all things. But then also to find things in life that you can enjoy but never get used to. Maybe it's starting a, a new goal or a new ministry. What can you do for other people? We'll look at some things studied about happiness a pretty massive study that a whole country did here in just a moment, and some suggestions on what brings that happiness, detracts from it, because ultimately that's what everybody is looking for, a true sense of happiness or that personal peace. We've been looking here this last few weeks at things that were said, you know, after the resurrection of Christ, within weeks, sermons by Peter are there. Months later, he gave another sermon. A few years later, we looked at some things Paul said after the resurrection, this is when Peter speaks in Acts chapter 2. This is just a few weeks after Jesus rose from the dead. He's speaking to some unbelievers, and, and they are criticizing, asking, you know, here's Peter. He was this person that was a, a fearful person, and now he's got this tremendous boldness and courage. And they ask him why, and he says, because Christ is the Messiah. He died, rose again. And then in Acts 2, 25, he says, remember what King David said about the Messiah. Here's Peter Quoting King David, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. When people are searching for happiness, what they're looking for is something that will sustain them, 
when times get difficult as well as when times are those mountaintop experiences. And Peter says, listen, my life is in Christ. And because he is at my right hand, it's something that I hold fast. I will not be shaken no matter what happens. And remember, Peter was in a culture where there was tremendous upheaval, people being crucified for their faith, put in prison, even fed to, you know, into the arena where the lions were, gladiators. So there was tremendous upheaval, upheaval, and Peter says, I shall not be shaken. Matthew Henry in the 1600s says, blind are the eyes that cannot see God in Christ Jesus. So let's look at some things about faith for a time such as this, as well as for you know, six months from now or five years from now, the things to really plant into our hearts and allow them to grow. Let me read something from King Solomon. I encourage you to read this as well. I'll read some verses, but spend time, especially in these challenging times, reading just Proverbs 3. You might think of this as if Solomon was here today or if he was giving a commencement speech. What would he say? And here's Solomon, some verses out of Proverbs 3. A lot of these words just sort of penetrate into our hearts and minds and spirits. My son or daughter, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. They will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You know, a few years ago, Warren Buffett, the billionaire, the masterful, just businessman, investor, people looked to him for advice and leadership, and he made the comment, shocked a lot of people. He said, you will not be happier if you double your net worth. He would know as, again, a multi-billionaire, and everybody thinks if I can just have more, and it's not about the more. We're going to look at some things that will fill the the parts of our life to bring the real happiness, fulfillment, and joy. You know, consider Alexander Lloyd. He's a a writer and a counselor. He said he was married to his wife three years when she said those fateful words, we need to talk. He said he went inside and she told him she wanted him to leave and not come back. And he said, you might think I had some great thing to say, some defense, something that would heal but he said all i could say was one word and that one word was okay and alexander lloyd said he he went to his parents house and they set him up in their basement and he was there for six weeks in tears and in prayer there's a key thing that he said happened that that changed everything he was in tears and prayer one night you know what happened god how did this happen three years of marriage i thought things were fine and he said he's since God speaking to his heart, a question, and I invite you to take this question and answer it for yourself. The question he said was this, what do you want more than anything else right now? What do you want more than anything else right now? The reality is a lot of people could not answer that question. I know people might think they know what they want, and there's temporary things that they perceive and chase, and they find it doesn't really provide what they really thought it would. 
You have to get down to the heart. What is it that you really want? It's not money, but what do you think that money is going to bring? And it's not the objects it's going to bring. What do you think it's going to make you feel? Again, it's the question we all have to stop and say, what is it you want more than anything else right now? And Alexander Lord, you know, he's shared, he's thought about, I want my marriage back. But he had to stop and say, why isn't my marriage working? And he really spent some time in prayer and reflection and said it wasn't working because I was living in fear and not living in love. And he said, here's the thing. Fear asks, what's in it for me? And he said, I realized that's how I'd live my marriage. What's in it for me? If my wife did something, you know, and I liked what she did, I would do something nice back. If she did something I didn't like, then I would do something that would upset her. And he says, as long as you live in that state saying, what's in it for me? Chasing things that are what's in it for me. You'll never find happiness. You'll never find what Solomon's talking about, what Peter testifies to. They came to a place to say, I needed to not say what's in it for me, but what I wanted was to love and give love and just give love without an expectation of how it would be received. And he said that brought healing, and now their marriage is something that he shares as thriving. Solomon continues by saying, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops. Your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, my daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So here's something from the country of Bhutan in Asia. About a million people live in Bhutan, and they, for decades now, have done studies on happiness. They call it the happiness index. That term is now used around the world. And Bhutan has shared they want to study not just economics for their culture, but happiness, because they want people to be happy. And so they do surveys, and originally these surveys were nine hours long. They've got it down to three hours now, but they're about happiness. They survey a large part of the population. They ask them some questions, some great questions, some to really stop and think about. If we were to answer these individually, what would we say? But the questions are, for instance, do you meditate? How frequently do you pray? How much time and money do you devote to your community? How many hours do you sleep? How many hours do you work? Do you trust your neighbors? Here's one for families. How often do you quarrel with your family? And when you do, how long do you stay away from them? Again, that's what people are searching for. It's what we see Peter testifying to, that perfect peace that gave him that boldness in life. We'll see what he says again about how we can each know that this moment. But look what Solomon says next. He says, blessed, another word for blessed is happy, Blessed or happy are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She's more profitable than silver, yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies, nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and those who hold her fast will be blessed or happy. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. 
By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let the dew drop. Love this quote here by Natalie Rivera about beliefs. She says, beliefs are a thought with momentum that we keep thinking. Beliefs are at the heart of everything that we do. That's why it's important, like Paul, or excuse me, Solomon says, to get wisdom. Know what your beliefs are. A lot of people don't. And beliefs often are subconscious, but they drive our decision-making. They are thoughts with momentum that we keep thinking, but they're also based in our subconscious. Maybe we don't realize what we are thinking. If you have a belief that life is about love, you're going to have a different outcome than somebody that says, you know, life is meaningless. If you have a belief that says, I know that Christ is ever at my right hand, therefore I shall not be shaken, and somebody else has a belief that says God doesn't exist, you're going to see two very different paths for those people. Think about how powerful beliefs are in a study done by the Journal of Psychiatric Science. They took students and they sat them before a computer screen, and on the screen they'd flash an image so fast that the student couldn't see the image consciously. The images were faces. Some were angry, happy, sad, surprised. Flashed in a millisecond, so the student couldn't see the picture. But what happened was their subconscious is so much stronger than the conscious mind. Their subconscious was reading the pictures. And they were hooked up to machines to measure things like tension, perspiration, heart rate, and breathing. And here's the fascinating part. The students watching these images that they couldn't see, their subconscious saw it, and their body responded to that image, whatever that image was. So if there was an angry face that flashed by, they didn't see it, but their body would be tense. Heart rate would increase. If they saw a happy face, their body would relax. Their hearts, you know, it's start to beat in, in rhythm. Fascinating. So sometimes we are driven by things that we don't even recognize because they're at the subconscious. So much is happening, driving our decisions. That's why it's so important to say, what is it that I truly believe? Make it a conscious decision. Make it a commitment so that, again, the foundation of your life, the foundation of my life is, is based on the immovable who is the Christ. Again, as Steve Covey said it so well, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Solomon continues, my son, my daughter, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Two things everybody wants to have, to not be afraid and to just be able to have that rest that is refreshing. Solomon says, here's where it is. It's found in faith. He goes on to say, and have no fear of sudden disaster or of ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side. He'll keep your foot from being snared. Love this illustration by Jeff Strite. I'll just read his words here, but Speaking about the Mona Lisa, he said the Mona Lisa is insured for $900 million. Da Vinci was commissioned by a patron to celebrate a birthday, and if he had simply been interested in money, Da Vinci could have painted the portrait and received his payment. But money was never the object with him. It took Da Vinci four years to paint this masterpiece, and the painting has up to 30 different layers of paint. 
And King Francis wanted the Mona Lisa, but Da Vinci told him it was not finished. Why would Da Vinci do that? Why would he keep adding more and more paint to his artwork? He did that because he kept working and reworking the image until he was pleased with it. And he loved this painting so much, he never gave it to his patron. He kept it for himself. And that's what Jesus does with us. He's constantly working us, reworking us. Jesus will never quite be done with us because to Jesus, you and I are the most valuable pieces of art in existence. And he wants us to be the best that he can create. And ultimately, he keeps us for himself because he loves us so much. Another study was done in Harvard. Dr. Dan Gilbrey summarized the study on happiness by stating this, expectations are a happiness killer. As I've shared many times, we need to trade our expectations for gratitude. Expectations are things that say, you know, if A happens, then I'll do B. But gratitude says, you know what? From a core, based in love, grounded in Christ, rock steady in my belief in him, that's where I'll live from. Not responding to circumstances that change moment to moment or other people's moods of the day. Expectations. When we say, you know what, this has to happen before I'll do this, that's what drains people's lives. Rather, again, trade expectations for gratitude. You find a whole different life living in light as opposed to those that Solomon goes on to share as we end with a few more of his words about the path between light and dark. Solomon continues and says, Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways, for the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses or makes happy the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor. Fools get only shame. So there's another sermon that Peter gave. It's in Acts chapter 10. He meets a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is not a believer, but he says, I want to hear more about this Christ. And Peter begins to say, you know, he was crucified and he rose on the third day. And Cornelius says, I want to know more than how he can be a part of my life. And you remember that in the story, Peter says, put your faith in him. And Cornelius says, can I be baptized? And Peter says, absolutely. And the entire house is baptized. But in Acts chapter 10, in that sermon to Cornelius and the people listening, he says this, Christ commanded us to preach to the people and testify he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And take note as Peter says this, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice Peter's words here going all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. He said, all the prophets testify about Messiah. David knew Messiah, said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Solomon knew Messiah and spoke in the picture of wisdom, get it over all things. And all the prophets spoke of the coming Messiah who would bring that perfect peace and happiness into people's lives as their sins are washed away and they find a rock steady faith regardless of the turmoil, the aspect tongue that might be taking place in their life. And so when Peter then tells Cornelius he is the one that they've all spoken of, that's when then 
Cornelius says, would anything then stop me from being baptized this moment? And of course, again, that very thing took place for him, his entire household. There's a path before each of us. One leads to light and life. The other leads to darkness and destruction. And there before us is the one of whom David said, put your faith in him because when you do, you have nothing to fear because he's ever at your right hand. That's what happened for Mickey Rooney. After eight marriages, substance abuse problems, sitting alone at a casino, at a table, having some coffee, and as he would share and testify the rest of his life, a young busboy with blonde curly hair spoke to me, said something that changed my life, and he said what that busboy with blonde curly hair said was, Mr. Rooney, Jesus Christ loves you very much. Mickey Rooney shared that he sat at the table and he was stunned. He really thought about what was said. He was there and began to just pray, put his life in the hands of Christ. Stunned there for several moments, he said. He surrendered to the promise of what was there before him. After he got up from the table a few moments later, he said, I need to I need to thank that bus boy. Couldn't find him, so he went and found the manager and said, Can I speak to the bus boy? And the manager said, What bus boy? And then or excuse me, Mickey Rooney said the the bus boy. The one with the blonde curly hair. And the manager said, There is no such person that works here. Mickey Rooney would testify the rest of his life he knew that that boy was an angel sent to him because God loved him so much that he wanted him to know and you and I to know Jesus Christ loves you very much.